You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 74. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking all about why you should stop wasting your time. First, address resource management. And I am so, so excited to be talking about this topic because this is a hot one for so, so many of you. This episode is sponsored by Tempest Resource. Tempest Resource gives PMOs actionable intelligence, cutting edge analytics, and real-time scenario analysis, all while minimizing the overhead of managing a resource portfolio. Learn more at pmostrategies.com forward slash 074. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash 074. Check out their demo and learn a little bit more about how they can help you make a bigger impact. And with me today is Sean Payless. Sean, hi, thank you for being here. Hello, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about Sean before we dive in. So Sean is the founder of ProSymmetry and Tempest Resource, recognized by Gartner Research and deployed globally and across the global Fortune 1000, Tempest Resource is a purpose-built resource forecasting and capacity planning platform. And I know that's music to so many of you guys, music to your ears, because this is a huge pain point that I've been hearing about time and time again from all of our impact drivers. So Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this session and talk to this community about one of their biggest pain points, resource management. Yeah, definitely happy to be here. Oh, yes, for sure. Okay, so let's just dive in, right? Because this is we, we got so much to cover, and I think this is a topic that doesn't get enough airtime, frankly, and is this underlying frustration for so many PMO leaders because they are under constant, constant pressure to deliver, to achieve the outcomes their organization is looking for, not just outputs. As my community knows, it's not about the outputs we create, but the outcomes we deliver. And if we don't have a handle on our resources, that's going to prevent us from being able to streamline, optimize, and accelerate achieving that impact, right? So why would you suggest that investing more aggressively in resource management would be beneficial for this community of PMO leaders? Great question. I mean, there are so many reasons. I think some of them are just self-evident. Others are you know, a bit deeper in the research. I mean, there's generally three things we point to when someone asks, why is resource management so important to a PMO? I think it's the absolute like, number one driver or strategic success. But if, if we just summarize three items, I'd say number one is if you're looking to do strategy execution, which any good PMO should be focused on, that is intrinsically tied to resource management. And I can drill into these in, in a lot more detail if you like as part of the conversation, but just at a high level, I think that's one. I think another reason would be portfolio construction and project selection really only work when we apply resource management. I think coming from, I think I have a very deep background in the PPM space with some very well-known vendors and now obviously our own for a number of years. And so commonly, and it's kind of a, a joke in many ways, you'd see the funnel diagram of we're magically going to float some bubbles down to the funnel and we're going to do maybe uh, multi-criteria scoring and or AHP and then outcomes our optimized set of projects. At no point has there been any discussion of, well, how are we actually going to do it? Like, who are the resources we're going to use? Do we have the skills? 
capabilities. I mean, these are critical. It's really that that's the funnel that, in my opinion, is the lacking everywhere. And that's the key to doing resource resource portfolio management and effectively building and constructing portfolios. And then I think the third thing really for PMOs, and Laura, we were talking about this a lot ahead of, uh, before the session, was resource management is invariably tied to how PMOs are viewed by their peers in the business. You know, going back to the PMO to ask questions around how much work can we get done? What if we hire or fire resources? I mean, COVID right now is you know, stress testing so many PMOs. Can they answer these questions? Mm-hmm. And when the, when the business sees that value, that, that a PMO can answer those questions, the realistic ones that management wants to know, they become so much more valuable to the business. So I think those are three things that I think are critical to doing resource management or why you'd want to look at doing resource management across your PMO. Oh, yeah. And Sean, as you and I have talked about, this year has been a very telling year for PMOs. And I am curious for all of our impact drivers listening to this session, are they thriving or barely surviving in a year of this total chaos, right? We have pandemic testing, pandemic proofing that we're needing to do with our PMOs, right? Are they really strong enough to not just barely hang on and survive during this crisis, or are they stepping up to the table? Are they getting their seat at the table to help the business leaders answer these really tough questions that they've had to ask when something like global pandemic hits, right? And many PMOs are really barely hanging on. Because before this crisis happened, they were being seen as administrative overhead, as a function in the organization that was box checkers or just the people you go to when you need templates filled out or the governance process and all the phase gates and all the things, all the administrivia that I'm not saying it's bad. Those things are very helpful when they're used for good and not evil, right? (laughs) They're very helpful when they accelerate getting through to the delivery. But one of the biggest questions that business leaders are being forced to ask right now are questions like, hmm, what projects should I shelve? And what projects do I need to accelerate? And what if, all that what if scenario planning, those executives are having those what if planning scenario questions right now, this year, and are PMO leaders able to answer those questions? So what if I have to move all of my resources off of these projects and onto others, right? Well, if you don't know what your resources are doing, then how could you possibly answer that question, right? And so there's this key fundamental opportunity, I think, for PMO leaders who, if they're doing it right, have the keys to the castle. They have the keys to all the information that business leaders are looking for. They're looking to answer right now. And this is not just during a pandemic. Market shifts happen, mergers and acquisitions happen, products that we thought were going to launch successfully didn't, and we don't have the customer base that we were expecting by now. Things happen in organizations all the time, and PMO leaders should be acting as a business leader, helping the other business leaders answer the tough questions. I can tell you, Sean, I've had executives and CXOs come to me and say, look, I need your help because I can't even tell you what projects are happening in my organization and who's doing them, right? I'm sure you've seen that kind of pain point coming from business leaders. Every day. Every day. <laughs> I want our impact drivers to know what the business leaders, the ones that are calling you and saying, hey, we need your help. Yeah. What are they expressing as these pain points? Because therein lies the opportunity for PMO leaders to step up and solve problems. Sure. Well, Laura, I, w- I would first go back to what you said earlier about the seat at the table. And I think that's a great indicator. It's just a Boolean, true or false. If you had a seat at the table, then you have been generating some value to be pulled in. If not, 
you probably have to take a, a very deep look at how your PMO is functioning and what you're doing, because if you're not incorporated into those critical decisions across the business, then you're viewed as having less than the value desired across the business. And it's probably been relegated to more of that administrative function of feeding data to finance or accounting and doing timesheet capture. And that's really not what a PMO is all about. Now, in terms of what business leaders are coming to us with, and we're seeing a ton of this now, I mean, there's some of our customers are absolutely thriving because they've, they've taken your advice uh, using our product and they're addressing these questions and, and problems that have been for a number of years. But we have a number reaching out that haven't. And a number of them are uh, key names in the news, especially given what's happening with COVID, saying we need to get this under control. The pain points, whether it's during COVID or not, are essentially the same. And a lot of this stuff is simple to do and it just it boggles the mind when you see it. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the tools out there have taken companies down the wrong path. Um, the amount of effort, the overhead, the services, they're just, they're insane. When you see some of the costs and the time to value, and a lot of them have made this in, these investments, regardless of how they, they made that decision, but especially on the resourcing side, what we almost always see, regardless of what tool they've put in or tools, this stuff's floating around in Excel files all over the company. And that's actually funny. If you go back to our founding as a, as a product was in reaction to that, this exact issue is, I have no visibility, I have no insight in my resources, and I can't do any what-if analysis. So our product started as a what-if analysis add-on to all the PPM tools. Right. But what we immediately found, and it's the same today, is that none of those tools had the resource management data. It was all yeah. floating on the spreadsheet. So we had to totally rethink our own product, and that's where things have really taken off. But one, there's no visibility, stuff's floating around everywhere. There's very little insight in having a consistent catalog of skills, capabilities, accolades, whatever is needed to effectively match people up with executing strategy. They don't even know what it is. So I would say lack of visibility, which people have been trying to address for years, and that then ties into no ability to answer their critical questions. They're putting it out in the wind. Like, what if we hire and fire? What if, you know, what if we're going to furlough? What if we're going to ex exit a market, delay projects? What if you want to approve certain things? They still just can't get answers to these things, even if they spent in some cases, millions of dollars on sort of the conventional tool set. Yeah. It's, it's, unfortunately, I can't add, you think there'd be something cool and really interesting here. It's the same problem. Right. Well, and that's, so I think you hit the nail on the head, though, because I think that's the whole point in this. And you and I both believe that sometimes this can be overcomplicated, right? Who's doing what? And who do we need to do what, right? And do we have that, right? Do we have those resources? I think the default position when a new project comes on the plate is, well, we need to hire more people, right? And it's because we don't have a good handle on who we have and how we could shift things around. And frankly, many times we have, it's not even just that top layer of just like, where are all the chess pieces on the chessboard, but also do we have one person who's like a subject matter expertise that we have only one or two of how many projects do they have on their plate right now? Right? So right. you can't even answer the first layer of questions. Then you can't get to the underlying deeper pain points, which are, we have our best people, our most strategic partners in helping us deliver on the organization strategy on 15 projects at once constantly task switching from so many different initiatives that they can't focus right. or get anything done, right? So if you look at so many of the real pain points that the executives talk about and that the PMO leaders are trying to solve, almost always comes down to resource management and improper, I think, resource utilization and a lack of a handle on what the impacts are of what we're doing, right? We can't really make decisions on 
who's doing what, because we don't have a really good sense. I mean, I've had, I don't know how many executives have had say to me, Laura, I need your help because I don't even know what projects are happening in my organization. I don't even know who's doing what. And all I keep hearing is I have to hire more resources, right? Because they just don't have a good handle on any of those components. And if you could address that, right? If you could solve that problem, you would have your seat at the table and you would be the first phone call anytime they need to make change, right? So if the portfolio needs to shift, you are going to be the first phone call. So, and this is not just in a pandemic. Like you said, this is any time that the shift needs to happen, which is almost constant these days, right? We had all these people before 2020 talking about VUCA and many PMO leaders weren't paying any attention to that. Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. Well, hello, first of all, this is the world we live in all the time, right? This We're probably very well equipped to handle it if we have the information we need to help our business leaders make educated and informed decisions. So I think, I hope we've done a good job of setting the stage for our community that addressing resource management is critical to the viability of your PMO, critical to the organization's ability to deliver strategy. Like this is not just the problem, but where you can make the biggest impact if you get it right, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, I think getting back to your point about overcomplicating things, I think there's the end state is envisioned and then there's this giant chasm between where they are today and where they need to be. And I think that frightens a lot of companies. And as a result, they just sweep this under the rug, which is amazing to me. You talk to Gardner or look at other research, you'll find there's a ton of um, supporting evidence here that you don't have to get overly granular with this stuff to, to get benefit. And I think the assumption is we need so much detail day one to get any usefulness out of this. And that's just not the case at all. To help customers, we've been working on a maturity model, which we're going to be sharing and talking about. Uh, to help them better understand we're at point zero. We want to go to stage one. What do we need to do? I think a lot of it is literally people just go, we don't know where to start. What should we be doing? What are the expectations? What should we expect as deliverables at each stage of this? We don't want to plan by name person right out of the gate. We think it'd be easier to do this by role and then eventually work into doing the much more elaborate planning exercises. Uh, And again, the evidence does suggest that aggregate resource forecasting and planning, at least the research that, that I'm referring to, has more of an impact than the much more granular planning and forecasting. And, and look, some of the tools that people are accustomed to working with, I think are impacting this as well. You know, the assumption that we need very detailed schedules, plans, I'll stay out of the Kanban stuff, but they don't necessarily match with how resource forecasting is done. So resource managers are never going into your Gantt charts or task sheets. They plan in a very different way. And as a result, I think some of the, the legacy tool set causes an issue here and people have to step back. You know, we have a number of customers very well-known names achieving huge ROI. I can't share the specifics. If you look at some of the videos on our side or elsewhere, you'll see some of it. And we're happy to introduce those that are looking to get more information. But they have existing legacy PPM tools in place. Mm -hmm. They were not able to achieve anything around resource management. And they're running our system side by side. So this is not a rip and replace type of engagement either. I mean, these two things can run in parallel. They can communicate with one another or be in some cases mutually exclusive of how you capture and track the data. So it isn't I'm losing what I've worked on or I spent all this money and it's it's gone. It's not the case at all. So, okay. So I like this, you alluded to this, what I think of as baby steps, right? So you don't have to make it this big complicated thing. So if somebody, so we've convinced our community, this is where you should focus. So if you have a PMO that's looking to address resource management, you said you can start slow, 
where specifically would you start? Like, what do they do? What's the first thing they do to get a better handle on their resource management and start being able to answer some of those critical questions? Well, and these things are spelled out in more detail in the trading model, but I think one of the first places to start is number one, just get an accurate assessment of what things look like today. What data do you have? Where do the data reside? In many cases, it's more of a a data collection exercise to begin with, understanding where things are. When we've worked with customers to put in place our system, one of the first things they walk through is where do these, where are the data? We have two or three PPM systems, and then we have about a thousand spreadsheets. Yeah. So I think one, taking a, a look holistically where everything sits is important. But beyond that, assuming it's less complex than that, is just assembling some basic lists of information. Number yeah. one, I think, is capturing what core strategies are. So eventually you can identify uh, and these are generally easier to get than maybe some of the other data because generally there's fewer places to go to get it. But then assembling what those core roles or resource types are that we're planning across the company. So again, if you're working with thousands or tens of thousands of resources, this can be a bit intimidating in the onset. But if you understand at least uh, at a high enough level, what are the key roles and skills that we need to effectively deliver strategy, you can start at that point. And in fact, Laura, you pointed out as well, there are likely going to be critical resources that are, that are not fungible. These are specific verification engineers, specific JavaScript developers, and so right. on, that are very scarce, very difficult to assemble. So you may even start by cataloging what are just the most critical resources that were used across the company and plan at that level. So yeah. assembling that core set of skills and roles and simply planning there. So one, assembling that list, and two, assembling at least a high-level understanding of what are the key projects that we're undertaking at the moment, and then recognizing all the other stuff might get swept into an operational bucket or something where we just to keep the lights on type of basket. And you can even make additional simplifying assumptions. So very basic information capture and being very honest, I think, is a key place to start. Oh, I love that. And one thing that I think could also feed into this, in addition to all of the data gathering, or maybe when you're going through that data gathering process, another thing that you can do is kind of flip it to the other side. What are the questions your business leaders are asking you that you need to be able to answer? Yeah, and that's probably the next step. I haven't seen the maturity model, but I'm guessing that's like one of the next steps in there is, okay, now do we have the data we actually need, right? And so yeah. that would be a very interesting question to ask. I think a lot of times PMO leaders feel like they have to have all the answers to all the questions. And I don't think that's true at all. They have to right. know what questions are being asked and be able to provide the information that supports them. But that we don't need to figure out all of the solutions by ourselves. We can ask our business leaders, what do you need to know? What's keeping you up at night? What are the pain points that you have? What are the problems you keep seeing? You and I have talked about the impact engine PMO program I have. I don't even let them get into defining or building anything until they have assessed the organization for impact opportunities. And a huge part of that is asking your business leaders, what keeps them up at night? What are the questions they have that you need to be able to answer? Because many times people will, you'll go into an organization and they'll start with, great, we know we need a PMO tool first. Well, what is that tool going to solve? What are the business problems you're trying to solve? We've got to answer that question first to know how to implement the right solution. And if they do, I can guarantee you a question about resource management is going to come up. What are resources doing? Who do we have? Who do we need? And I can't tell you the number of times I've had executives say, why whenever I want something else done, the first answer that comes back to me is, well, we need to hire a whole new team to do that. 
right? Why aren't we looking at what our resources are currently doing and where they're allocated and prioritizing that? So I think you've been talking about this and needing a PPM solution, but also needing to be able to address and answer the questions around what the actual people are doing and across that portfolio of initiatives. So let's address the yeah, but, right? So I have this term I call the yeah, but monster and he climbs up on your shoulder. And the minute you start talking, you know, (laughs) someone's giving you a new idea, a new perspective. Yeah, but that's not going to work here. Or yeah, but I already have a PPM solution. So why would I need this too? Right? So if somebody already has a PPM system in place, let's say, how would they go about uncovering one if that if that solution is working for them, but two if they have any deficiencies in kind of answering those resource management questions that need to be answered? Well, and, and going back to what you asked previously, you, you sort of gave me good ammunition here to follow up with the question, which is how do you know which questions you're being asked? And unless you're a, a startup or a brand new business and you don't know these things, generally you're answering or understanding that challenge by knowing I can't answer those questions. Uh-huh. Someone's asking me. What is our carrying capacity for projects? How much time is spent separately from sustainment or operational activities? Those basic ones are going to be red flags like, oh, you know, crap, we don't have what we need. You do have a PPM tool in place. From my experience, like the number one indicator that things are haywire on your resource management is if there are spreadsheets floating around with your resource data and they're not in that system. A lot of that is just the result of those tools. Not They're not built. This is not a critique of those. They're just not built for resource management. They're, they're task management, work management systems. They've evolved in many cases from desktop scheduling to more enterprise solutions. They're not built to do that. It's just they've grown in scale to say, oh, yeah, here's this hub and spoke approach. And we do everything. We're a one-stop shop for everything. So I think right out of the gate, if you have any Excel spreadsheets floating around with resource planning or forecasting data, boom, you know right away. Yeah, the product you have isn't cutting it. And we see this everywhere. If you saw names, I can't share them, obviously, but if I could share names and scenarios and stuff, you would, you know this stuff, I think, but people's jaw, their jaws would drop. Like, are you serious? We have one customer drawing supply demand charts in PowerPoint, like drawing a bar, like as a little picture, not with data, but just because they can't get it out of a multi-million dollar CPM deployment. So they're physically drawing supply demand charts as images. Yeah, I mean, and that's not the rarest scenario. Others, they just literally can't pull the spreadsheet together. So I think when you hear spreadsheet or someone goes, oh, yeah, it's not in System X. Hold on, um, I'll call Greg, he's got the spreadsheet. That's probably a really good indicator and probably the best one out there that you had. On top of not being able to answer the question. Well, and that's super dangerous, right? Because, and I, I know our PMO leaders, when they heard that, they're like, oh, that hit them right square in the chest because that happens so often where you have the system, you spend all this time and energy and money putting a system in place, putting a tool in place. And the real data is sitting on Joe's desktop or Greg's Greg's desktop, and it's not in any system anywhere. And so you're trying desperately to get that information to make those decisions. And the PMO leaders walk into meetings with this dashboard view of all the things going on. And then someone says, "Uh, actually, that's not what's really happening, right? And so you see this, not just in resource management, this can just be across the entire project portfolio, period. And that's dangerous, right? And so that is a systemic problem that has to be solved. And 
it may be that either the tool isn't the right fit for the business problems you're solving, or it could just be that there isn't that solution that's there has either been overcomplicated, customized like crazy, or really just totally. isn't addressing the business needs. Because it could be no fault of the tool. It's just that the process sure. around it is a disaster, right? And part of that is because we make it so complicated. It's like, okay, first, when we do roll out of these tools, many times there isn't good organizational change management around the actual implementation to begin with, right? So you'll have people shoving a tool down everyone's throats without actually first having gone to them and saying, okay, what's the business problem we need to solve? Where are your pain points? What do you need to do? How does your process work today? How could we improve it? How can we streamline it so we don't just automate a completely ridiculous process in the first place, right? There's like, I could go on and on. (laughs) Of course. If we address those things and really just get down to, I love how you talked about it doesn't have to be so complicated because I think that's one of the biggest challenges that PMO leaders face is that they're measuring the number of outputs they create as opposed to the big impact and the outcome that they're creating for the organization. So if we're measuring the wrong things like number of projects in a tool or how many templates we have or how many steps we have in our process or how many projects we're managing, how many project managers we have, how many staff, all those are the wrong things to be measuring, right? And when we tie our value as a PMO to the outputs we're creating, it doesn't leave us the opportunity to truly embrace and achieve the highest possible return on investment for those initiatives. So how we should be measured is on the outcomes we achieve. And that means sometimes, Sean, right? You and I know this, that means we actually cut projects. That means we actually stop doing some things so that we can take best advantage of the resources we have to accelerate the most important initiatives, right? So some of this I think is absolutely your tool isn't fitting you. And some of it is you can take the best tool and destroy it with the bad process, of right? Of course. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that sometimes yeah, I mean, too. Yeah, absolutely. The whole tool adoption thing and change management. But if we just step back and recognize that it's called portfolio management for a reason. I mean, ultimately yeah. portfolios yield some appreciable value and a lot of these concepts are borrowed from corporate finance and investments. And ultimately, you have to achieve some objective for the business. And if it's just simply a, a tool or a series of processes or methodologies to effectively manage what's in there, but not necessarily provide any external value or be able to answer any of those questions, then why are you doing it? And again, that goes back to the seat at the table and answer these questions. But your point about being able to answer the questions might be like the best guidance to give anybody looking for tools or looking to adjust how they run their PMO is what are those, I do think there's some commonality across every business because ultimately the, the objects that you track in portfolio are roughly the same. And then right. there's some, you know, there's that alpha, there's a piece of it that's going to be different by industry. But that is such salient advice, you know, is categorize what those questions are that you can't answer yeah. uh, and then look for mechanisms to answer them. And the data required to answer some of those questions are not obscenely difficult to assemble. I just think that many of the folks in this space, you know, have something in their head or a vision that is just way too openly complicated. Yeah. Well, and I, I was going to ask you, what would be your parting advice? And I think you just kind of hit it, right? It's like, we don't need to make this so complicated. And really, we need to know what business problems we're trying to solve and how we can help the organization move forward most effectively, which means simplify, simplify, simplify. Get it down exactly. to the brass tax basics. So. Uh, With that, Sean, I think that we've covered it. I hope we've convinced our impact drivers that they need to be focused on resource management. I think they've all 
thought of it as many of them as a pain, a thorn in their side. And so maybe step one is answering some of those questions, figuring out where to start, gather the data so that you know what you're even missing in order to answer those questions and keep it simple. <laughs> and don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Tempest Resource. Tempest Resource gives PMOs actionable intelligence, cutting-edge analytics, and real-time scenario analysis, all while minimizing the overhead of managing a resource portfolio. You can learn more and check out their demo at pmostrategies.com forward slash 074. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash 074. Check them out today. All right, Sean, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time and sharing your insights with this community on a topic that I know is a huge pain for them. So thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, that's it, Impact Drivers. Thank you so much for being part of this session and part of our community. Bye-bye for now.